What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. made it to another week welcome to ain't you a peach and uh as one well knows well you know the show really don't go until after you have heard your daily hello where did my face go i left myself there i are all right then music my boys play that beautiful bean footage there they are Good afternoon, my fellow Ain't You a Peachers. Happy, happy Sunday. It's the 113th day with 252 still to go in 20 and 23. Today is National Lost Dog Awareness Day. Aw, if anybody finds me, let me know. That increases awareness concerning missing dogs and celebrates reunions through networks of shelters, veterinaries, social media, and other media sources. Many lost canines and families reunite. The day is an opportunity to learn more about prevention and networking. There are also steps to take to prevent your family pet from going missing. Some of these preventative steps also help return Fido to you if he does go missing. So look into it. It's National Take a Chance Day. That's right. It encourages us to break out of our comfort zone. Most of us have unaccomplished goals or dreams. What if this day was a take a chance to make them happen? Even if it's just the first step towards that goal, it will be one step closer than before. It's National Picnic Day. Yum, picnics are fun. That encourages everyone to pack their lunch and take it outdoors. That's right. Picnics are a terrific way to enjoy a meal outdoors in the company of friends and family. Not to forget the mosquitoes, critters, and ants. This meal harkens back to the mid-18th century. Al fresco French dining. When all you needed uh, was a bottle of wine, a loaf of bread, and thou know some cheese and fruit uh, from Frisco and you could have a party under the sky. It's National Talk Like Shakespeare Day. I, I know that's a pirate, Shakespeare. Uh, Tis nobler to... Yeah, anyway. And that encourages us to speak like the bard and the characters in his play. Uh, Horatio, alas, I do him well. We can speak like Shakespeare by substituting thou, thee, and ye for you and they. Rhyming couplets and creative insults were his particular favorite. Many of the phrases we use today we owe to Shakespeare. Wait with bated breath. A wild goose chase, for goodness sakes. Laughing stock, fight fire with fire. 
naked truth, jaws of death, and a pickle. Those are just a few examples. It's National Cherry Cheesecake Day. Cherries. Cheesecake's texture is nothing like cake. Indeed, it's creamy, thick, pudding-like character comes from the soft cheese used as the main ingredient. Some cherry cheesecakes recipes call for the cherries to be mixed into the batter, and others place the cherries on top. It is day 1,137 of 14 to flatten the curve. Thank you, Liberty Lighthouse, and it should be hopefully ending next month. Who knows? Where do zombies like to vacation? The Dead Sea. I know. Wasn't that terrible? Goodness gracious, that one was... That was worse than terrible. That one just plain was bad. Bad, bad, bad. At least we had the groan. Okay, um, I'm Leprechaun. This is 8U a Peach. It's Sunday afternoon. We're on to Mojo. Well, what did I get on my shirt? Huh, I just noticed that. Looks like I have a Z. Zorro has visited me. I uh, did something. Well, and I got a spot there, too. Oh, it was when I scratched my ear. Oh, no, that's the mic. Oh, well. What do I know? Uh, 8U a Peach. Sunday. We talk about good stuff over here, or I try to talk about good stuff. Sometimes it's critters, sometimes it's food. It could be anything. Today, with the help of uh, Miss Demet with Beaver, who was on yesterday at 5 p.m. Eastern, right here on Amojo Five O, uh, her and I were talking the other day, and I said, "Well, you know, I've got a bunch of tabs still open for previous shows, and uh, I thought about maybe doing a leftover show, you know, with all the tabs I have from you know past shows. So that would be fun." And I said, or I could do one on heists. That's H-I-E-S-T, heist, you know, like great heist. Mind-boggling thieveries of our uh, fellow companions. And she went, ooh, that sounds really interesting. So guess what? (laughs) She talked me into it. We're doing heists today. And uh, our first group is from uh, workingmoney.com. And it's uh, history greatest heist in history from Craig Donafrio in May of uh, 20 and 21. 21 mariachis. Where'd you guys go? There's 21. That was the 21. Now, what I've got is a whole bunch of them here. And uh, let's start with the Seymour train robbery. This is number 15. We're counting down the top 15 on his page. And uh, location is Seymour, Indiana. Date, October 6th, 1866. Amount stolen, $18,000. Approximately $300,000 in today's money. You share the wealth, baby. The bottom line, the Seymour train robbery. The Reno gang was a group of outlaws that operated in the Midwestern United States for just four years, from 1865 to 1868. We have them to thank for a staple in American movies, TV shows, video games, and books. That's right, train robberies. Prior to October 6, 1866, any train robbery had occurred when the train was stationary, like robbing a building. Uh Uh-huh. The Reno gang changed all of that. They did, they did. John Reno 
Sim Reno and Frank Sparkles. Hey, is that Jay Sparkles, buddy? Frank? I don't know. Could be a relative. Boarded an Ohio and Mississippi railroad train at night. Now, at that night, valuables were locked in an iron safes and watched by a railroad company employee who was there to move the contents of each safe between various stations. This employee, called the messenger, wasn't a Pinkerton or anyone special. In this case, his name was Elam Miller, and he got the fright of his life when three masked men burst into his railroad car, demanding the safe keys. Miller tried to say he only had the key to the smaller safe, which held, you know, considerably less cash and valuables. One of the robbers ripped the key from him and opened it inside. He found 18000 in cash, some jewelry, and several small packages. Now, according to the notorious Dang Reno by Rachel Dickinson, the bigger safe couldn't be opened on the train as the key would had to be opened by an Adams Express agent and not the messenger. But the big iron safe was on wheels, so the gang shoved the box out of the moving train. Then they pulled the bell cord to signal an emergency stop. And as the train slowed down, they skidded off the train and into the darkness. The big safe weighed far too heavy for the gang to run with it, especially now that the law would be coming soon. They left the safe and its $38,000 behind. Wow. The Reno gang continue, continued to terrorize various areas around Indiana and Missouri. Four more trains before the three men were caught attempting to rob the fifth train. After they're taken prisoner, a lynch mob hanged them by a tree. This boy don't know his history. You don't get hung by the tree, you get hung from a tree. Uh, another three Reno gang members were caught soon thereafter and were similarly hanged from the same tree. The site is known as Hangman Crossing, Indiana. Hey, now there's something cool to do. Let's go to Hangman, Indiana and uh, check it out. Alright, number 14, the Central Bank of Iraq. Didn't know. I haven't heard this one. We're hearing this one fresh all by ourselves. Location, Baghdad, Iraq. Date, March 18th, 2003. Amount stolen, $1 billion. Back in them days, a billion dollars was probably really a billion dollars. Today, a billion dollars is Uncle Creepy Sniff him, Kiss him, Feel him, Pedo. China Joe just gives that away. Uh, the bottom line, Central Bank of Iraq was rubbited. Uh, the day before America bombed Baghdad, oh ho ho, the day before, catch this, the day before America bombed Baghdad, Saddam Hussein sent a note to the Central Bank of Iraq. It was for a mass deposit of some 900 million, one, 900 million, Dash one billion dollars, nine hundred million billion dollars. Wow! The bank tellers obliged. There was no elaborate scheme, no guns, no explosive, no weapons. All it took was a signed note to pull off one of the biggest heists in history. Three large trucks were loaded up with money and were driven away. Saddam said the mass withdrawal was to ensure the funds didn't end up in insurgent hands. He had the money flown to Kuwait, 
where it was found, but this is only the second stage of the heist. Now, under control of a completely different owner, the U.S. government decided the money should be doled out by the Coalition Provisional Authority or the Transitional Government of Iraq. Mm -hmm. Millions of dollars went missing. Some were stolen by U.S. service members who... <laughs> who wouldn't. Some of them mailed it home to their wives. Others bought cars and other items. <laughs> they got home to America. In all, 35 service members were convicted of stealing various sums of money. Okay, so only 35 of them got caught. Everybody, a billion dollars. One billion. Well, we know where it went. Um, the, the Kenyan gave it to Iraq, right? Hmm. <laughs> Dead air as I drink. I know I shouldn't drink while I'm on there. Throat was dry. Dresden Green Vault Heist. Haven't heard of this one. I've read the Dresden Files. That was a book. Those were great audio books, but I haven't. I don't know this one. All right. It's uh, Dresden in uh, Saxony, Germany. Hmm. Dresden, Germany. Date, November 25th. 2019. We don't have a 19 sounder. I have a 20 sounder, but not a 19. Amount stolen up to $1 billion, so they don't know. At least a billion dollars is gone. Bottom line, uh, Dresden Green Vault Heist. Hmm. Let's see what they say. Located in the Dresden Castle in Dresden, Germany, the Green Vault Museum holds the largest treasure collection in Europe. Ooh, cool. Its items date back to the 16th century. And since this was 2019, the museum had real security. But it was difficult for alarms to sound if the power was cut. Uh-oh. In the early hours of a Monday morning on November 25th, a... Uh, that would be like right after Thanksgiving because it's the 24th, right? Thieves set a fire at an, electro, at an electrical distribution point nearby, cutting the museum's power and turning the area dark. Immediately, thieves smashed through a small corner window near the museum's historic jewelry collection, the Grunwumben, which... Uh, consists of 10 rooms with about 3,000 items of jewelry and other recognized masterpiece, according to The Guardian. Wearing headlamps, they smashed glass and stole priceless jewels. Uh, CCT footage of the crime was released, and it's on YouTube. Wow, I didn't know that. Well, maybe we can find it. The crime itself. Uh, it's not entirely clear how much those are worth. Initial reports said 1 billion euros or 1.2 billion, while later reports say the item's value had fallen short of that billion dollar figure. Yeah, I'll bet. The thieves were in and out fast as police were called to the museum not long after the initial break-in. They fled the scene in an Audi A6, then lit it on fire in an underground parking lot, presumably jumping to another vehicle. Police and museum off operators fear that the thieves will melt down, oh, the gold and silver, and pull out the diamonds, erasing them from the world. Oh, could you imagine some of the works of art? I've seen some jewelry before that was just fantastic, but it's if you take it to its base components, let's say you have a diamond this big that's worth, you know, 
20 million dollars well everybody's going to be looking for that big diamond but if you cut it down to five smaller diamonds you no longer have that giant one but you now have five smaller ones that you can move considerably easier gold and silver is just gold and silver without the workmanship you melt it and that's what you have gold and silver oh that's that's such a shame to think that those priceless works of art would just be now, if they get sold to, to collectors for big-time money where they stayed as the pieces, that would be cool. But just to melt them down and and uh, make them like, like you would steal from anybody's house. Oh, that's terrible. All right, let's get on to our next one. This is number 12, the Hatton Garden Job. Ooh, somebody stole, somebody must have stole carrots. <laughs> Uh, location, London, England. It's from London. London, England, blimey. No, that's cocky. I don't have a good British accent. Top of the morning to you, governor. Yeah, that's still cockney. Anyway, uh, let's see. L14 million, so about $19 million. Wow. Bottom line, Hatton Garden Job. Hatton Garden Safe Deposit LTD. Must be limited. And uh, it might not be one of the biggest heists in history, but it's certainly one of the greatest. The Hatton Garden robbers weren't your ordinary criminals either. Half of them were senior citizens. I love it. Uh, looking for one last score before cashing into the big casino in the sky. Hey, didn't they make a, a, a movie out of that where a bunch of old guys... Went and robbed someplace, and they were like, so catch me, I'm going to die anyway, I'm old. They had multiple names. Uh, the Guardian called them the Diamond Weezers, for old guys, you know, Weezer, <laughs> can't walk. Well, the French press dug them the Granddad's Gang. <laughs> uh, and they would have gotten away with it. If it weren't for those meddling kids. Uh-oh. So... It was a van, four kids, and uh, a dog, huh? Them meddling kids. Let's go on to see what it says. Hatton Security Deposit Limited is located in a shared building. Oh, okay, so everybody has a piece of it. The thieves used an elevator shaft to reach the basement where they forced open shutter doors and used heavy-duty drill to pour into the vault which was six and a half feet thick of reinforced concrete. Whoa, that was one hell of a drill. Prior to the robbery, the gang's alarm expert tampered with security system using a 2G mobile phone jammer to block the alarm signal. Holy goodness. Once inside, they tore open about 70 deposit boxes initially. It was believed that... Uh, Two hundred and seventy-nine point nine million was stolen, but that number has since been dropped to just nineteen million. The heist was carried out by six elderly ringleaders, ranging from their late fifties to late seventies. Another four people were also connected with the crime, convicted in connection with the crime. Uh, now, see, now I, I thought all of these were going to be ones that uh, you know the the. The perpetrators got away. Uh, I presume some of them that we have coming up later uh, is like that. My ear was itchy. Sorry, I had to. I had to scratch my ear, and I can't put my earpiece back in to hear what I didn't say. Who said what? When? Hey, I can't hear you. I got an ear. Inf Never mind. Uh, 
Let's see. Number 11, Isabella Stewart Grander Museum. Oh, another museum. What did they get this time? Um, location, Boston, Massachusetts. That's up yonder. Miss uh, Melissa, can you, can I borrow your accent here? I could help you. You know, you want to read this one for me? I wish. Uh, date, March 18th, uh, 1990. I don't have a Boston, uh, you know, Boston. Let's see, that's not pocket card. It's uh, put a quote now. They have a distinct, I can't, I can hear it in my head, but I can't duplicate it. It's the uh, Isabel Stewart Grander Museum. And what do they, thievery? For over 20 years, the Isabel Stewart Grander Museum heist has fascinated and frustrated the FBI and art world. Ooh. In the early hours of March 18th, 1990, two men disguised as police officers approached the Isabella Stewart Museum in Massachusetts. The museum guards on duty that night were two young men, one of them, Rick Abbott, broke protocol and let the folk, the fake cops in through the employee's entrance, believing that there had been a disturbance of some kind. Now, while the thieves surveyed the grounds, they asked the guard who let them in if anyone else was in the museum. Abbott called his fellow guard, Randy, called him on down. Hey, Randy, come on down. The thieves, who had not said they were thieves yet, then told Abbott to come from behind the desk to prove his identity because they might have a warrant for his arrest. Uh-oh. It's worth noting that the museum, despite holding countless treasures of art, had only a single panic button, and that was at the desk. Oh, no. The thieves' hand... So somebody had to know that that button was there. Inside job. The thieves handcuffed Abbott, and when his buddy... Uh, oh, I didn't read his last name. From upstairs, what the heck? I just scrolled past it. I got to go back up and look what Rick's name... Uh, Randy. Randy Hested. So when uh, Hested showed up downstairs they handcuffed him as well then the thieves announced they were there to rob the museum and so they did in 81 minutes the two thieves stole 13 works of art including three pieces from Rembrandt several by Degas and a Manet and a French imperial eagle from the Napoleonic Wars and an ancient Chinese ritual vessel. Well, they took good stuff. Uh, then the thieves simply disappeared in the night. None of the pieces have been found. Uh, that's just the basics. There's a book. This is a robbery, the world's biggest art heist, and it's on Netflix. Well, now why would it be a book if it's on Netflix? So it's a movie. God, this boy don't write good. Or an in-depth look at the insane heist. So you can watch it this is a robbery, the world's biggest art heist on Netflix. I have Netflix. I might have to look at that. Okay. Uh, Banco Central a burglary at uh, Fortaleza. Fortaleza. We got, nope. I, we're going to hit a beep, like right here. We are that close to hitting a beep. And we're only on number 10. So who knows? Maybe this page will uh, hold us for the whole show. And I've got Four other pages open besides this one. But that's par for the course. 
All right, let's see. I'm looking at it. It's right here, and then we have the other two beeps coming up. So we'll start it and then pick it up on the back side of the break. Told you, see, I knew the break was coming up. Beep, 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 beep. So that means we have two minutes for y'all to have a drink of water, grab a smoke, hit the can, or do whatever you want to because, hey, chat's been real lively today, guys. It's super duper. I like it when we all chat shit here in the uh, chat room while the show is going on. I'd like to have some of the money that these guys have uh, slicky, though, wouldn't you? Wouldn't that be great to get away with some of the coinages that's uh, $18, 19000000 million? What would you do with the artwork, though? Would you hang it in your own house? Would you sell it? Would you, would you donate it? Could you imagine taking one of the paintings and then donating it to a Goodwill? <laughs> that would be so funny. We found a lost Monet. But you'd have to do it in like a different state. Like, let's say you slick it in in Boston, so you drop the painting off at a Texas. <gasps> Music. Back in two, yo. This is a potter's field. When people can't pay for their funerals, they are buried here. It is a lonely, desolate place, littered with unmarked headstones. No one visits. No one leaves flowers. But it doesn't have to be that way. For as low as $1 a day, you can ensure your family will have the money to pay your funeral expenses. We offer burial insurance plans that pay up to $30,000. Considering the average funeral costs more than $10,000, that's peace of mind for your family. There are no medical exams, your rates won't increase, and your policy cannot be canceled as long as you make your premium payments. Call now to get approved in minutes and ensure your final resting place is more than just a pauper's grave in a potter's field. 800-562-2407. That's 800-562-2407. Paid for by Final Expense Direct. Attention all business owners and creative minds. Do you need a unique and personalized touch for your products? Look no further than Romika Laser Engraving and Custom Designs. I'm Ron Phillips, co-owner of Romika Designs. We offer custom laser engraving services for a variety of products, including promotional items and corporate or personal gifts. With state-of-the-art equipment and a team of skilled designers, we can engrave intricate designs on virtually any material. Whether it's a special message, a company logo, or a custom design, Romika Laser Engraving will help you make your mark. And the best part, our prices are affordable and our turnaround time is quick. I couldn't be happier with the work Romika Laser Engraving did for me. The engraving on my product was precise and exactly what I wanted. So don't wait any longer to add a personal touch to your products. Call Romika Laser Engraving and Custom Designs today at 817-400-4040 or visit our website at romikadesigns.com. We look forward to helping you make your mark.
you, ain't you a peach? Hey, guess what? I completely, completely brain farted in the first half. I did no spots. Darn it. All right. Here's what I want you to do. As soon as the show's over, go over to mojolaserpros.com. Yep, that's mojolaserpros.com. That way it'll get you into Romika Design. And Ron's got them spiffy, nifty signs. I'm going to order a couple. I want to do one so I can hang on the door, say, recording. And uh, I also want to get one made, you know, a big four-leaf clover with lep in the middle or leprechaun in the middle. I haven't decided which. So I'm going to get a couple. You guys ought to, too. Now... If you've been feeling kind of low and not really good, you might want to get a hold of GetWellMojo.com. That's GetWellMojo.com. And uh, that'll hook you up with the Wellness Center, guys. And, boy, they'll take good care of you. You can get healthy with them, especially when you're not feeling good. I would highly recommend it. But that's just me. What do I know? My eyes are brown. If they turn blue, I'm probably a quart low. All right, where were we? We were, there we are, <laughs> at the uh, Bunco Central Burglary, and it's in uh, Fortaleza, Brazil, and the date is August 6th of 2005. So these have been some fairly uh, recent thieveries, thefts that have been going on. The bottom line is the uh, Bunco Central Burglary. Now, what happened? The uh, Banco Central heist uh, took months of planning. Several months before the burglary, the criminals set up a landscaping company in a commercial building where people wouldn't notice the tons and tons of soil being moved off-site. Now, where did the soil come from? A 256-foot-long tunnel leading from the building to below the bank vault. Wow. After they reached the vault, the thieves had to bust through 3.5 feet of reinforced concrete. So that's steel inside the concrete. Several tons worth of Brazilian reels were left lifted from the vault. Reels is uh, Brazilian money. We have dollars. Um, Japan has yen. China has the yuan. Uh, Britain has the pound, so uh, Brazil is the rel. And what's funny is, uh, back in the old days, rels used to be made of gold. That's what the pirates had. Didn't know that, did you? All right, let's see. Uh, where are we? Several tons worth of several tons worth of the rels were. <laughs> lifted from the vault. It's unknown just how many people were involved in the heist. Several have been arrested, including a former security guard, but only seven million has been recovered. And they got tons. Tons. I wonder how much, it doesn't say how much their money weighs. <laughs> All right. How about the Dunbar? We're up to number nine now, so there's still eight to go after this. Dunbar Armed Robbery. Location, Los Angeles, California. Date is September 12th, 1997. Still another modern one. Amount stolen, 18.9 mil. So, $19 million. Dunbar armed robbery. The Dunbar armed robbery is the largest cash robbery in American history. Ooh, hey, cool. Cash. 
Uh, Alan Pace, masterminded. Now, if they know who did it, that must mean they caught a bummer. Alan Pace masterminded the heist while he was working for Dunbar as a safety inspector. During his time, he plotted out the facility's layouts, its cameras, its guards. That makes sense. He worked there. No one suspected him, and he worked there. He was a fun-loving guy on the surface, but if he could rob this place blind, he would be set for life. Well, yeah. Pace recruited five childhood, childhood friends to <clears throat> to perform the heist that he had plotted out exactly where and when he needed to step in hallways to avoid the cameras in order to get to the vault. They had the codes and knew where to go, so they expertly waited and maneuvered around the building until they happened upon the camera they couldn't avoid. So they went and tied up the security guards. They took the VCR tapes as well. When it was all done, the crew loaded up a U-Haul with 18 million without firing a shot. They would have gotten away with it, but two years later, one of the robbers gave a real estate broker a stack of marked bills. That broker went to the police. Hill cracked and named the names of his compadres. Only about five million of the stolen money was ever was ever recovered. Oh man! So. You don't pay for stuff with cash like that. Here, let me buy a house with marked money. Yeah, no, you can't do that. Damn. Damn, damn, damn. Northern Bank robbery. This is number eight. And where is this? Belfast, Northern Ireland. And another new one on December 20th of 2004. How much did they get? $37.11 million. I love where they always come up with a point. Can't call it an even number. Oh, well, we had this and that. Bottom line, Northern Bank robbery. Let's see what they have to say. On Sunday, December 19th, 2004, two groups of armed men stormed into the homes of two different employees of the Northern Bank. Both of the employees, Chris Ward and Kevin McMullen, uh, were taken from their homes to the bank. Their families were held hostage, and the robbers told Ward and McMillan to continue work as usual through the next day. The robbers kept in contact with the two via mobile phones and had the two steal... 37, 35.7 million after the bank closed. They were for, uh, let's see, they also forced Ward to transport 1.4 million to them at a bus stop during work hours. Oh, wow. No one was ever charged with the crime itself, although two people convicted of laundering some of the stolen money were jailed. The IRA is heavily suspected to be behind the heist. Well, that would make sense. Ward, the innocent employee thrust in the middle of the whole thing, seemed to get the worst of it. He was put on trial on suspicion of being in on the job, and it took four years to clear his name. Oh, man, poor guy. How about uh, Nokus robbery? Nokus? Huh. What's a Nokus? Uh, wow. Stavanger? S-T-A-V-A-N-G-E-R. 
Stavanger, Norway. Norway, it's way up there in the north. It's the Stavanger, Norway, on April 5th, 2004. That still sounds Italian, doesn't it? Uh, they got 57.4 million kroner. In other words, they got $6.8 million. And it's on robbery. The Anokis robbery is the biggest heist that ever happened in Norway. How cool. On Easter weekend... April 5th, 2004, 11 robbers armed to the teeth with military-grade body armor and automatic assault weapons. Oh, God, there's that word again. Stormed the Nokus Cashing Handling Bank building. Well, wow, that's still a whole lot of syllables. <clears throat> As a distraction, one of the robbers drove a truck to the police station, set it on fire, and tossed tear gas inside the station's main interest. Bike strips were also laid out. Wow. Meanwhile, the other robbers entered the bank via side interest and attempted to break through bulletproof glass window with the battering ram, but you guessed it, they failed. One of the emptied about 120 rounds from his automatic battle rifle. Oh, my God. Don't you love people that write, what the fire truck is a battle rifle? Anyway, it shattered it. One of them emptied 120 rounds from his automatic battle battle rifle, shattering it. Now, did he shatter the rifle or did the window shatter? I'm going to guess the window shattered. They stuffed duffel bags full of cash and made their exit. Meanwhile, outside the bank in Cathedral Square, police arrived and were met with gunfire. One policeman was shot in the head and killed. That happens. When you get shot in the head, you generally die. And the criminals escaped, but not for long. Thirteen people were charged and convicted in connection to the robbery, and about $15 million was never recorded, or 6.2 was never found. The... Uh, 2010 Norwegian film Nokus is about the uh, notorious robbery. So if you want to watch a movie about it, relatively new, 2010, yeah, you can get it. All right, we're down to number six. How are we doing on time? Only about halfway through. Oh, I'm not going to do it this time. Good thing I looked down, huh? If you go to mypillow.com, yeah, that's uh, mypillow.com. Mm-hmm. That's Mike Lindell's website. You go over there where it says radio specials, and you click on that tab. Man, there are some stuff that are super cheap. Slippers are on sale. Pillows are on sale. Now, use the promo code MOJO50. That's MOJO50. And it'll save you dough over there at MyPillow.com. That's MyPillow.com. All right, number six. Number six. The Night Bridge Security Deposit Robbery. They got robbed. Location, London, England. And when? July 1987. How much did they get? $98 million, Almost $100 million. Wow. Wouldn't it be nice to be on some of these things, but be the only one to do it? Oh, yeah, I got a $90 billion. Jeez, Louiso. All right, let's see what they say. There's lots of pictures, so I'm guessing somebody got busted. Valero Vesili, mm-hmm. Valero Vesili, an Italian criminal, was 32 and already wanted for 50 armed robberies when he decided to make the biggest smash and grab of his entire life, I guess. The heist was relatively simple. 
two well-dressed men with briefcase posed as potential clients looking to open an account at the Knightbridge Safe Deposit Center. Uh, conning the way inside, they produced handguns, which were hidden in the briefcase. Hold up the manager, chained him and two security guards, made their way through 113 of the center's 4,000 deposit boxes, hauling off millions and millions of dollars worth of goods. Outside, a third man dressed as a security guard turned away customers. Uh, the Knightbridge Center managing director provided some inside help. Uh-oh. Vasisi left behind a bloody fingerprint, which led to his capture. Only 14 million of the 84 million was ever recorded, recovered. <clears throat> Vasii was given 22 years in prison, but was extradited to Italy, where he was strolling the beachside cafes on his way to work at a publisher's office, visiting his flat and returning to jail at 10.30 every night. Oh, wow. He died in 2000, blasted dead by a submachine gun. Uh-oh. Vicini had shot a cop in the leg with a 357, and during his day release from prison, the policeman unloaded on him before Vicini could finish the job. <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay, you're in prison, but I'll let you out to go to your regular job of evidently robbing places, and hey... If you have a shootout with the cops, so much for it. You have a shootout with the cops. Okay, we are up to number five. Societe Glendale of Bank Heist. So this is going to be in France. See, it's in Nice, France. The date is July 19th, 1976. I was alive then. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I was already in the service for one year by then. Well, not quite a year. That's July. I went in in April. Let's see. Amount stolen. 30 million. 100 million francs. Or 33.3 million. To 11 million. So they don't know. They either got 30 or they got... They either got 33 or they got 111. That's about 70 million difference. Somebody bargained 70 million someplace. The Societe Generale Bank Heist has been dubbed the heist of the century for good reason. Okay. Uh, although other subsequent heists have taken the mantle, the Societe Generale. Uh, had a bank vault that was practically impenetrable from the outside with an extremely thick layer of steel and a complicated locking mechanism. There were no windows in the vault. There, Who puts windows in a vault? That's like putting a screen door in a submarine. If you couldn't go through the door, then you would have to go through where? If you said the floor, the belt designers would scoff. It was 18 inches of reinforced concrete. Ooh, 18 inches, that's thin. Because we, did we do that other story? They had three and a half feet, 18 inches. That's like this. Uh, it would take days to break through it, so they thought. And that's exactly what these thieves, led by French criminal Albert Sprengadini, did. 
the bank vault was built somewhat close to the sewer system. Spaghetti, we'll just call them spaghetti to make it short, assembled a crew of 20 men, a mix of mobsters and spaghetti's political dissident friends, and split them into two teams for every single night for two months using two tons worth of equipment. They dug a tunnel blocking up the entrance every morning in case sewer workers found it. <clears throat> when they broke through the floor, they had to carefully, painstakingly uh, move an armored armoire so it would lay just right without flopping on its side and causing great noise. Well, once inside, the thieves carefully ransacked the vault, taking countless millions a 1976 article from the New York Times estimated 10 million was stolen, while other estimates put it at 30 million francs or even 100 million. The thieves welded <laughs> the vault door from the inside, and it wouldn't be until the following afternoon that bank officials discovered the theft. Oh, wow. <clears throat> However, authorities apprehended spaghetti within a few months. But after he claimed he was uh, ready to name names, he escaped through a window in a magistrate office and lived the rest of his life in hiding. He died at the age of 57. Wow, that's still young. In 89, ostensibly from lung cancer. Wow. His body was left outside of his mother's house in Haines. <clears throat> On the walls of the vault, the thieves left this message. And it's in French, and I don't read French very good. Sans arms, nihai violence. Without weapons, hate, or violence, the money was never recovered. Wow. Wowzer. Let's see. Who haven't we done? Ooh, you know what? It took them that long to do it. So I bet you the thing you could have done would be to go to preparewithmojo50.com. Yep, it's preparewithmojo50.com. And uh, that's where you will have your portal into Romika Designs. Romika Designs. <laughs> My Patriot Supply. Yeah, you can't eat much over Romika, I don't think. So, yeah, prepare with Mojo 5.0, and that gives you your portal into my Patriot Supply. They've got the uh, three-week on sale and the three-month. Go check them out. It's always good to have extra grub on hand, especially as crazy as times are getting, because you never know. So, be safe. Get on over there. Use a... Got to do it. Save you money. That's... Prepare with Mojo50.com. Yepers, get grub and save it. All right, what do we got here? Uh-oh, The Great Train Robbery, a silent film from 1903. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, from Wilcox, Wyoming. The date, June 2nd, 1899. So train robberies have been going on for quite some time. By this time, 65 to 99, several days. They got $50,000 in their money today, 1.6 mil. That's a small one. Let's see what it says. Hey, guess who did it? The Reno gang. The guys that started robbing trains in the first place. Remember in the earlier stories, they only got away with five trained robbers to start with. Let's see what it says on this one. The Reno gang may have conducted the first robbery, but 
The Wild Bunch perfected it. Ah, okay, see, that's just it. The Wild Bunch did it. Wasn't Reno's. Let's see. Ground, grand, hmm, let's try this again in Swahili. Grindstone Jones and his Union Pacific train were chugged along at 3 a.m. somewhere near Wilcox, Wyoming, when a red lantern appeared in the distance over the tracks. As soon as Jones stopped the train, three masked men armed with six-shooters, boarded the locomotive, ordering Jones and the other firemen out of the cab. Jones tried to resist and was resorted with a pistol whip to the head. And that's what they usually do. The robbers ordered the cab to be detached from the train and driven a mile down the line over a wooden bridge. After it cleared the bridge, the structure exploded, having been rigged with dynamite beforehand. Wow. Now, with the train at their total mercy, the robbers attempted to get into the messenger's cab. That's where the vaults are. We heard that earlier. But the messenger shot back through the door. So the robbers blew it open with a stick of dynamite. Uh Uh-oh. Upon breaching the cab, the outlaws used dynamite again to blow open the safe, which nearly destroyed the whole cab. (laughs) Think of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid where they blew that damn thing up. So that was real. Somebody really did do that. That's funny. Oh, my goodness. The initial newspaper report said six outlaws rode off with whatever they could get their hands on. A bounty of 3000 each was put on their heads for a total of 18000 In 1904, Union Pacific superintendent wrote that the Royal Sold American, the railroad had lost over 50000 in relation to the robbery. That's a good look of money. Uh, See, here you go. Check this out. Next sentence. It was believed that Butch Cassidy participated in the train robbery, but it's unlikely that he was actually part of the heist. He had been released from jail under the condition of never stepping foot in Wyoming again, so he may not have wanted to risk it. However, according to HistoryNet, Butch apparently did receive his share of the loot. Oh, wow. The money was never recovered. Within 12 years of the robbery, every outlaw from The Wild Bunch was dead. Wow. There was a good movie, The Wild Bunch, as I recall. We're up to number three. We're getting closer to the end all the time, and we've got about this much space before beepers go off. Uh, Laguna Nigel in California. I know where Laguna is. Look at the Nigel. Uh, date, 1972. Hey, I was still in California in 72. Amount, $30 million. You'd think I would remember this from the news. Definitely a haircut from the time. All right, let's see what it says. In 1972, a group of criminals and safe crackers from Youngstown, Ohio, reportedly received a tip from Jimmy Hoffa. I thought he was dead that Richard Nixon was storing $9 million in dirty campaign money in the bank in Laguna. The criminals hated Nixon. There you go. And, of course, they wanted money. So the seven men headed over to the bank. They cut a hole through the roof, bypassed an alarm, dropped onto the concrete vault. From there, they drilled holes into the vault, lined it with explosives, then covered it with sacks of dirt to muffle the explosion, which blew a hole straight through. 
group leader, Amilo DeSayo, claims there wasn't 30 million in there, but they did them did help themselves to 12 million worth of bonds, jewelry, coins, and cash. That's funny. Unfortunately, Danilo's gang had hit another bank the exact same way in Ohio not long before that, which gave the FBI enough information to link the burglaries, find the criminals three months later. Uh, DeSeno served more than 30 years in prison. Wow. In the 2019 movie, Finding Steve McQueen is based on the heist. Oh, well. I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. Number two. Hopefully we'll have enough time to finish. This one, Stockholm, Sweden. The date, December 22nd of 2000. Amount, $55 million. It's the National Museum of Robbery. A bit before 5 p.m. in Stockholm, Sweden, two cars exploded at two hotels near Stockholm's National Museum. At the same time, three men, one wielding submachine gun, entered the museum's lobby. The place was still open. The man with the gun instructed staff and visitors to stay down while other two men ran upstairs. The men took off with three paintings, a Rembrandt self-portrait, and two Renoirs. Renoirs. Uh, Police were on the way, but the thieves weren't running away by car. Instead, they hopped in a motorboat and sped off. To aid their escape, they threw nails down in front of the museum, helping to tear up pursuing police car tires. Wow. It does sound like it's from Hollywood, doesn't it? As Hollywood-sounding as this heist was, it wasn't foolproof. These pieces of art were extremely expensive, sure, but would it be also nearly impossible to peddle them on the dark market? I don't know why. The following month, police received ransom notes demanding a few million, along with photographs of the stolen paintings. But the museum refused to pay, and by 2001, several people involved in the crime were arrested. Uh-huh. In 01, police found one of the Renoirs during an unrelated drug raid. Well, in 05, an arrest of a Belgian crime syndicate boss in Los Angeles led to the discovery of another Rembrandt, as well as information on the last remaining one. That painting was recovered after FBI posed as a buyer. The sellers were attempting to offload it for $42 million, uh, just for 100000 but they couldn't find a buyer. And we made it. The last one was Antwerp Diamond Heist, but hey, we ran out of time again. They only got 100 mil. Well, guys, it was heists. And there's one, two, three, there's four tabs still open that... Uh, There's D.B. Cooper still we didn't get to talk about. There was all kinds of them. All, all kinds of uh, heists that we didn't get to. I hope everybody's had a great day. Remember, uh, stay healthy, stay happy, and above all, stay true to yourselves. Ain't you a peach? 
every Sunday right here on Amojo 50 at the 12. Don't you know? Tell your friends, tell your family, get everybody in here on uh, Rumble. Hit the like button. That's that thumbs up one. Yay. Like us, like us, like us. And have a great week, everybody. And you know what? We'll do it again next week. I don't know. Maybe leftovers. We got four tabs open from this one. I'd rather have too much content than not enough content and be stuck going, I don't know. Peace out, everybody. This is the seditious, rabble-rousing, liberty-loving, home of fun, entertaining, and compelling talk. Mojo Five-O.